0: this is a part of worship where we get to continue with our praising of our Lord with our tithes and offerings and if you're visiting our church from another church please take your tithe home to your home church and give to them if you're visiting for the first time and just kind of checking us out please receive this as a gift from us to you but if you call this a home church like I do please join us in continuing our worship with our ties and offerings and you know here we are facing a new year and I got to um, reminisce of this past year and there's a many many blessings that I got to see through our new hope family here I saw where many men and women become husbands and wives you know the act of marriage you know before the Lord and I got to see those same men and women become fathers and why um, fathers and mothers, you know, having newborn babies. And then in the families that are established, I got to see children become the older sister and older brother in the excitement of a family that grows. And then you get to see people who buy houses, but it's not the house. It's the house turning into a home that's exciting. and It's just like our home here at New Hope that we get to call this a home, a family, and we get to support each other, encourage each other. And it's just been a wonderful year seeing all these things happening and counting the blessings um, that we get to witness for each other as well as receive for ourselves. And just the act of giving a tithe back to the Lord is just an act of obedience that he asks us to do out of a relationship, just as a family has relationship with each other. So, as ushers get ready, I'll uh, pray over the offering. Lord, I just thank you for this time. I thank you that you thought me worthy enough to be placed in this family, for you to send your son to die for us. And I thank you for the blessings that you give us. May you receive our offerings to reach out into the community and keep reaching one lost soul for you, Lord, at a time. And may you just use our church, our family, to be an instrument in doing so. And we just love you, Lord. And I ask for your presence to be here, to be with each and every one of us. Lord, we love you. Amen.
1: I'm so thankful that Jesus is always there. You know, when we come into a Christmas season and it comes and goes, there are different groups that we're still in. There are people who are really relieved that Christmas is done Everything is put away. Like they take down their tree right after and everything's put away. They're ready for the next. Some people like stretching it out. They they wait till Easter, take down their tree. That was that was my mom. Like the tree was dead. I'm like, "Mom, this is a fire hazard." But then there are people who they just they 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 hang with the season, but at the same time understand that the season that we celebrate Christmas in is not about the holiday itself. It's about a person that we celebrate some of you are traveling some of you are visiting and and maybe family have been traveling so we welcome you also Uh, it is a time for family it is a time that we come together or we take a break together Uh, sometimes when we take the break especially right now the children are on break many of us want to go back to work we want our children to go back to school not because we don't want our children around it's well maybe maybe that maybe that but it's, it's also our routines, our routine. I'm just joking, children. Our parents, parents love you dearly, dearly, dearly. Uh, but we just, we run into different routines and we have to figure things out. We have to change our daily patterns. Uh, who's going to watch the children? How are we going to do this? Uh, and then the bills come in, you know, after Christmas. We don't have money or we're trying to figure out how do we, how do we now make things work out? And it almost seems like Christmas can become draining, then it is joy to the world. But that's just the components that come with Christmas. We know that the reason why we celebrate Christmas is because of Christ himself. We're ending our series today. We, We called it It's Christmas. And we talked about how the Christmas season becomes busy, but we can't be too busy for the Lord. We should be at least mindful enough to understand that, wait a minute, God is always there for us, so let's not become too busy in the season to give our our hearts to God and and things like that. But today, we're just going to talk simply about Christ every day. Because Christmas can come and go, and then we forget about Jesus. We kind of go back to our daily routines, but the good news is that when Jesus came to this earth, it wasn't just one time. He came once and for all. That when there was sin in the world... God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So because Christmas comes only once a year, it doesn't mean our hearts are only given to Jesus once a year. Just think about it. We can, we can be with Christ every single day. And we're going to learn a couple of things. We're going to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 24. It's in the New Testament. If you want to open up your Bibles and turn there. Some of you use the church app. So you can, you can take that out also or if you want to use some notes that you're given. But when we think about Christ every single day, it's kind of like this relationship that we have with him where we liken it to wanting to be with our best friend. Because when you have a best friend like growing up, you think you're going to be with that friend forever in fact when we're when we're younger, we say that to each other, we say, you know we're gonna be best friends for life we're gonna you know we're gonna we're gonna ride together, we're gonna die together, you may not die together you you might like know each other for a long time but that's the feeling we want we want our friends to know that you are valuable you're important so i want to be with you forever even though we're seven years old even though we're eight nine ten years old we're thinking this is going to be forever i remember my my friend i think this was probably around fourth or fifth grade uh, we were good friends and we wanted to become blood brothers (laughs) you do not do that in our day to day but back then, that's what we thought. We thought we'd just, we'd, we'd just become blood brothers, and we thought we were going to be with each other forever. But that was, the, that was the feeling you had when there was a good friendship, a, a good person in your life, that you wanted to be with each other forever. And then you, you kind of grow up, and you kind of grow out of it. But you wanted to be best friends forever. We said that because of this thing called relationship. You know, with parents and even our children, at an early age, we cuddle our children. When they're a brand new baby, we snuggle with them. Babies smell real good. You know, they just have that fresh baby smell. And then uh, as they continue to grow up, you still cuddle them. And then they're going to go into kindergarten and, you know, preschool and kindergarten. And and you hug them. You love on them. You squeeze them. And then they get older and older. And then you still squeeze them. And then there comes a a point in in their age that you're holding their hand. And they're like, no, you don't need to hold my hand. You're like, no, I, I am holding your hand. No, you don't need to. Hold. I'm, I'm old already. I can, I can hold my own hand. It's like, no, you're not. I know you're 30, but I'm still going to hold your hand. <laughs> hey, I know parents like that. They still cuddle their children no matter how old they get. But for some reason from an early age to some point in their life, those things begin to subtly fade away or slowly fade away. Or when they hit 13, like everything changes. Like the mood changes. The and the children still love the parents. It just there's there's just a different emotion that they're going through and different changes that they're going through, that it seems like the relationship is on the rocks, or it's not good, and maybe so because maybe there needs to be a shift even as parents about the relationship as our children get older. But the one thing never one thing never changes, is that we still want relationships. We still want to have this relationship with our children, and children, we still want the relationship with our parents. It's just sometimes we go through a rocky season. But deep down inside, there's still this longing for relationship. The reason why it's there is because God put it there. God is a relationship. So when he created us, he created within us the longing for relationship. That's why we have this relationship with Jesus. That's why we long to be with one another in this story, in Luke chapter 24, I'm going to read from verse 13 to about 32. And this is after Jesus died on the cross and then rose from the grave. And it says, now that same day, two of them, which were the disciples, two disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They're not, this, there's no Uber. There's no, I mean, you can catch right on a donkey or, or a camel, but they're going seven miles. So talk about walking with someone for seven miles. They're able to talk about things. So they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. So they're talking about when Jesus came, when Jesus lived on this earth, the miracles that he did, and then dying on the cross. And then the events that just, just took place, which was that day, the tomb was empty. And they're wondering, wait, what is going on? So they're, they're having some, some emotional uh, discussions. And as they talked And discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you're walking? They stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem? Who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Almost like saying, how could you not know that these things were happening? And we still do the same thing today when we say, oh, mom, this is happening. Well, I never knew. You don't watch the news, I don't have cable. You don't know, have Facebook, I don't have Facebook. You don't know, on phone, I don't look. Like, I don't know what's going on. Well, these two knew everything that was going on. But Jesus still asks. He says, well, what things? What things are going on? And they said, about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet. Notice they said he's a prophet. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. Jesus says to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah... He didn't use the word prophet. He said, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them, And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, Because this is, Jesus normally did these things. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? That's the the one thing they knew for sure. That something was different when he was walking and talking with us. Like our hearts were burning. No wonder things were different when he was walking with us. That was Jesus. And all that took place, everything that had happened. It's discouraging. Yet when he walked and talked with us, our hearts were burning. You know that word that is used in this context, that our hearts were burning. It means to kindle you know like when you kindle a fire you get the fire started it means also to set a fire or to eat or to cook like you're preparing something something is happening it is often said that the church today is at a crisis because it is irrelevant to the world that is the world we live in today in this article it says to say the 21st century church across all denominational lines is suffering is an understatement it also says that the 21st century church is suffering. And then it says, new absolutes. The church must embrace or die. In other words, you know what the Bible, you know, you know what they're saying? They're saying the Bible is irrelevant. Church is irrelevant. That's what the world is saying. It's saying you, you need to change the way you do things by the way the world goes. You have to now begin to change the word the word of God so that it fits where people are at so that as you change the word of God more people will come to church because it relates to them where they're at can you see the subtleties of the enemy he's saying change the word of God so that people can relate to the word of God versus God you created me in such a way that you gave me your word in how I'm supposed to relate to you that we're supposed to relate to God. I'm sure churches can do better. We can always do better. We're human beings trying to serve a perfect God. We don't have trained people here. Everyone volunteers. We're a volunteer-driven church. You love God and you say, I want to serve, so you serve. But the good news is that our hope is not built upon us, our circumstances, or just us gathering together. The Bible is more relevant today than any post that we just recently read. The Bible is relevant because God's word is unchanging and is good for the soul. It's just it's good for us. And 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 maybe, maybe, yes, there are some things we gotta do better and different. We have to, we gotta get better at our people skills and, and whatever else. But more often than not, it's not necessarily the church or the word of God. More often than not, you know what it is that our hearts no longer burn for the things of God we want we want good programs, we want the church to be like 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 in in tune with the times we want we want a great message, we want a charismatic preaching or, or good songs or we want new things and technology we want these things and and, and And we want the things, but then God says, but you can have these things, but not my spirit, and where would you be? Now, it's great that we have technology, but that is not where we put our hope into. Some of us want the quick fix. We want more entertainment. We want a feed me kind of sermon that I need to be fed, so you need to feed me, versus, wait a minute, I'm a believer. Therefore, I get fed by his spirit and his word. So therefore, I go to him every single day. I can see if someone says, I need more meat on Sundays, if you're not with Jesus every other day. It's like eating once a week. Absolutely, you'd be starving. But if you're with Jesus every single day, now your maturity comes to a place that doesn't matter who's preaching. If it's the word of God, you're leaning in saying, teach me. God, teach me. I'm matured enough to to hear your voice versus a sit back, relax, feed me mentality. It's Christ with us every single day. See, Christ is with us every day. And if we're ever going to be effective with the life that God gave to us, we got to understand these three things. Here's the first thing, that Jesus is a relationship, not a religion. That's the good news. He is a relationship. He's not a religion. Don't forget that Jesus does things differently than we would. Apparently, even with the disciples that were walking with him, they didn't even recognize him. They were with him for three and a half years, yet they did not recognize him for whatever reason. But Jesus does things differently. They thought that when Jesus came, he was going to do things in a certain way. They all thought that. That's why many had a difficult time with him, because they're thinking, wait, you're the Messiah, but why are you acting like this? You, you shouldn't be like this. I thought you were supposed to be like royal and regal, and, and, uh, but, but, but you're, you're, you're teaching us how to love God and love people as we love ourselves. You're doing it differently. Well, Jesus often does things differently, and he'll often do things differently even in our hearts. He wants to rekindle our hearts for the things of God so that our hearts burn for him once again. And when our hearts burn, we're able to rekindle even our marriages, our relationships uh, with our loved ones or people we have a difficult time with or in the workplace. We're able to rekindle friendships. I like how Jesus says it in his prayer in John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone. And he's speaking about the disciples. It's not for just them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You know, Jesus uses this word, one, that we would be one. That means one in agreement, one in union. That we have this relationship now, because God is a relationship. It's not, it's not a religion. Religion is a, you follow rules so that you gain God's favor. But rules never, it, it can help, but it shouldn't be the driving force. It's like in, in our family, and with Heidi and I, Heidi's my wife, we have certain rules in the house. Uh, you cook, I clean. Uh, if I'm eating at the dinner table, and that's my dishes, I put it in, a, in the sink. Once in a while, we'll take it for each other, and that's fine. Uh, it's also, whoever gets out of bed last, makes the bed. So we have certain rules. And you may have certain rules in your home. You know, whoever comes first can park in the garage, whoever, you know, things like that. And whoever gets, remember, whoever gets the remote first gets to watch TV. That was, that was our rule growing up as children. Whoever turns on the TV first, Saturday morning cartoons, gets control over what we watch. I'm like, man, we gonna watch Smurfs again. Because whoever got it, that, that was the rules. And our homes have different rules in it. But the rules do not govern our relationship. It helps, but it doesn't govern our relationship, lest we forget to do something. Like last night, one of the rules is, if that's your dishes, you wash them before we go to bed. No dishes in the sink at night. But last night, I left seven dishes in the sink. So... I'm thankful that our relationship between Heidi and I are based solely on the Lord, not not the rules of the family home. Lest our marriage be on the rocks because you didn't do this, you didn't do this, you did that, you did this. Okay, you want to do that? I get to do this. Oh, you went out for four hours? I can go out for four hours. You spent $700 on Christmas gifts? I can spend $700. You spent $20 on that? I get $20. Now it becomes all about rules. And we know that rules never succeeds. And it's never successful in a relationship. And neither is it with God. Religion is our attempt to play by the rules so that we look good in the sight of God to gain his favor. Relationship is God's attempt to reach mankind through his life, which is what he did. It's not based on our goodness. It's based on his goodness. Because how good can we be to be in a relationship with a perfect God? We could never be good enough. It's like a mom with her son. There would be nobody good enough to marry you, son. That's the normal thing. How good can we, I'm, I'm sorry, is that a, is that a thing? I'm not a, I'm not a mommy, so I don't know. I, I, I'm guessing that that's how moms sometimes are. Yeah, moms are nodding. They're like, yeah, it's hard to find a wife for my son. They got to be good as mom or Better. I'm so sorry if you're here with your son-in-law or your daughter-in-law or, or the in-law. They're like, maybe I do need to come to church. <laughs> Sometimes we feel unworthy. You know, we, we think we're so far from God or, or we sin that God doesn't want us, but we got to remember that God is a relationship. So this is, this is what he's very good at. He's super good at relationships. In other words, there's nothing you can do that will make God love you any less. And nothing you can do, nothing you and I could ever do that would make God love us any more. He loves us that much. And religion tells us, if you just do these things correct, then you'll be good enough. And God says, nope, in relationship, I already did these things because I'm already good. And we did not have to worry about that part. The second thing we need to remember is that Jesus gives us hope Every single day. Jesus gives us hope every every single day. Now, how can he give us hope? Because it doesn't feel like there's hope. Like even as believers, we feel like, well, why is it still difficult then? Even as a believer, I believe in Jesus, but why is there still no hope? Because circumstances change. So I was hopeful this day, but now I'm not hopeful this day. Well, I liken it to a bank account. When I was in the elementary school age, when I was, I don't know, maybe 10 years old, I remember I was able to open up a bank account, and they would give me a card that I could go to the teller and withdraw money. I didn't have that much money, so I opened up the account with $5, and then because the games, you know, the arcade game, were only a couple of stores down, I would go to the bank and withdraw money to go play arcade. So eventually the funds ran out. I didn't know about banking. I just thought it would be pretty cool to have a bank I could go to and take out money. I didn't know it runs out. So I went to the teller, the, the outside the ATM, and I put in my code and then asked for money. And then a receipt came out. And it said, insufficient funds. I'm like, insufficient funds? I didn't even know what that meant insufficient funds I felt so degraded like I'm what is I know what sufficient is it means like good so this is no good because there was no money coming out so I didn't I, I kind of began to understand the concept of economics then I thought wait a minute that means whatever I put into the bank is what I can take out ah, I get it I'm learning it and some of us are still learning today we're getting the bills it's like how come I don't want money well you got to put in the money In order to take out. So that was my experience with my bank account. My cousin, on the other hand, he also had a card. And it seemed like he never ran out of money. And so I said, Well, you have a bank account too? He goes, No, no, no. I I have this card that only under extreme situations can I withdraw money. I said, What do you mean, extreme situations? Yeah, if, if I need food or things like that, or if I'm stuck somewhere. I'm like we're 10 years old where are you gonna go the bus doesn't take the card It says no no this is my this is my dad's card and he said if if i ever need any help then just go to the teller and i'm like we need help the game room is still it's right there i don't have i have insufficient funds you have sufficient funds so let's go together to the atm machine and let's go get some money and he said, no, under extreme circumstances. I said, this is extreme. Look at me. I need, I need money. I felt like an addict that I, like I'm telling him I need, I was an addict. I was addicted to machines, these uh, game room. And I was trying to get him to take money out of his account. Trying to convince him to take money out. He still didn't take money out Till this day. I mean, I forgave him. But till this day, I remember the feeling of how can you have money and I not have money and you be so happy, and I am so discouraged. It was because that wasn't his money. That wasn't his money. It it was his father's bank account. The source of his money wasn't even his. So when he was withdrawing money, he had no sense of put more money in because it wasn't even his. My hope was only dependent on if I had put money in. Then I could go to the teller, and it's not even hope. I just would know that there's money in there. But then it would run out because it was built primarily only on me putting money in. Now, here's where we struggle with. For many of us, we think hope comes from our circumstances going well. If I can make more money, if I can keep this job, if I can get that career going, if I can do these things, that's when I'm going to be the most happiest. Now don't get me wrong, those things help. It does help. But that's not the source of our joy. Those things run out. After a while, it is insufficient. But the hope that we actually have is not even ours to begin with. Our source of hope comes from somewhere else that Jesus can give to us every single day. Romans 15, 13 tells us that I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know that word, Hope is a state of confident hopefulness that events will be favorable. Yeah, it's, it's a confident hopefulness that events will be favorable. It's not saying that our hope is in the event. It's saying that, our, that we would have confidence that the event will be favorable, whatever circumstance, that it will be favorable. That way, if our hope is not in the event, if the event doesn't go favorable, we don't lose hope. Because our hope wasn't in the event, it's just a state of confident hopefulness that the event will be favorable. So we're in a state of confident hope, not in the favorable event, but in the Lord himself because he's the source of hope. It's not going to be all the things that we have. It's not going to be money. It's not going to be social media or the life of people that we see on social media that we say, that's the life I want to have. That's not going to be where our hope comes from or another relationship or a different career moving out or, or changing the church that we go to or, or, or when others get their act together that will give us hope. It is God himself that is the source of hope. And he will. And he does do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer and you believe in Jesus Christ along with that relationship comes the power of the Holy Spirit every single day. It is Christ every single day. The last thing we need to understand is that Jesus walks with us through life. He doesn't just give us life. He walks with us through life. And he wants to and is willing to walk with us through the most difficult times of life. Jesus is not going to do the things that we do in the way that we do. Sometimes he does things differently. Sometimes he doesn't do the things we want him to do. He sees more than what we see and he knows more than we do. But when Jesus doesn't do the things that we want him to do, sometimes we lose faith and our hearts grow cold. We no longer burn for him because we follow our feelings more than our faith in him. And he says, you got you to flip that around. You got to follow me with faith not your feelings. Feelings will catch up later. That's what happened to these guys that were walking with Jesus. They were walking with him. They were discouraged, distraught. They were downcast because all of their hope was in what Jesus said was going to happen. But when the events didn't happen the way they wanted to and Jesus died on the cross, he was crucified, they put him to death and then he was buried and then they couldn't find him. They're wondering what is going on? Like how do we even, where do we go from this point on? He's no longer here with us. They were so focused on the events that took place, they couldn't even recognize the Savior that saved them. And He was walking with them. We don't want to lose heart. We don't want our hearts to no longer burn for the things of God. That's why in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus speaks these words He says, I am the light of the world, he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, he's the light to our life. He's the light unto our path. And when things seem dark and dim, he's the only one that can guide us. He's the only one. It's not going to be our circumstances. It will be his spirit. That's the good news. That's the good news that we have, that our hearts begin to burn when Jesus speaks with us, talks with us. That's what happened to these guys Their hearts were burning when he opened up the scriptures. He is the light to life. He is the light that illuminates our darkened world. Even the words that we read in the Bible. The question I ask myself and maybe for all of us is when was the last time my heart really burned for God? Like I really burned for the things of God that I was so yearning for God. I was hungry for God. I was I wanted to be in his presence. Like when was the last time that happened that I was filled with his spirit? And maybe maybe today is a refreshing or a rekindling of our hearts that he would illuminate our lives every single day because he will do that. Not, not burn for the, you know, the, the, the best worship song or I, because I know we have that. We walk in, it's like, oh, it's my favorite song. And then we, another one plays, it's like, oh, I don't like this song. It's like we can't worship to... Songs we don't like, but it's not about the song. It's about the song we're singing to the person we're singing to. It's the words that we're saying to our Savior. If there is a song that you don't like when it's time to worship God in song, then don't sing. Recite the words and speak that to God. It changes everything. Worship is not about us. It's about who God is, that our hearts would burn for him. It's not about the things we do in church. It's not about a funny video or a heartfelt video or or something that we do up here that that makes us feel something. It's it's his spirit that we burn for the things of God. And I'm sorry to say that it's not even going to be a great message that a pastor speaks. As great as we try our very best to present the gospel in such a way that people find him, it will only be by his spirit that when we're walking with Him and the Word of God, which I'm thankful we do have great preaching with all of our pastors, but if not for the Word of God and His Spirit with us, we got nothing. It'll be His Spirit every single day that we can come to Him, that He's gonna walk side by side with us. Notice that Jesus showed up next to them walking, not with a horse or donkey, or camel, or on some carriage. He didn't just cruise up next to them and and say to them, hey, so what's going on? Where are you guys going? Like he wasn't lazy about relationship. He was letting them know that I am with you throughout life. I'm going to walk with you step by step. I'm with you, in tandem with you, at your pace. I'm not going to come with a horse, and then now you have to keep up to me. No, I'm going to come to you, and I'll be with you. Now when Jesus comes back, and we all go home to be with him in heaven then we go up to be in his glory and away from these bodies, then we can keep up with his pace. Until then, he comes to us and he says to us, I'm willing to walk through life with you. But life will become tiresome. You'll become weary. That's why we develop godly disciplines every day. That's why we talk about being in the word of God every day. That's why we talk about doing devotions. And many have start off, we start off strong in January. We say, I'm going to read the word of God every single day. Just like how I'm going to work out every single day. And then the next day it's like, maybe not every single day. It's, I'm tired today, so I'm not going to work out today. And we say the same thing with the word of God. It's like, oh, I, I read two days in a row already. I'm fatigued. And then after a while we may, do, we may be strong in the beginning, but then we taper off. If that's you, it's okay. Start today. Don't get discouraged because you may have fallen behind in reading the word of God. The good news is that when you stop, he's right there. He's right there with you. When their faces were still, when he asked them, so what things took place? Their faces were still. They were discouraged. Jesus was still there. He wasn't still walking and saying, well, you guys want to stay there and look downcast? That's up to you. Later on, catch up with me. He's saying, well, I'll, I'll be here with you. Tell me what's going on. Jesus knew exactly what was going on, but he, he processed with them. And he says, tell me, what's, tell me what things, what has happened? They said, these are the things that took place. And then from Moses and the prophets, Jesus began to once again illuminate their hearts, breathe life into them like he can breathe life into us every single day. Only he can do that. That's why he says in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, he says, come to me. And and I think we qualify because he says, all who are weary and heavy laden. I think we are weary people and we're heavy laden. I think we qualify from time to time. And then he says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Here's here's where we struggle with. You know when the Bible says you will find rest for your souls? Some of us are saying, can I find rest for my physical body? Like, I'm tired. I can sit down at home and fall asleep. Instantly. I can sit down in church and instantly fall asleep. I can sit down in my car and instantly fall asleep. We're just tired people. We're tired. We're weary and heavy laden, which means we carry things on our shoulders. We're just heavy with life. But then he says, but if you take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, you're going to find rest for what nothing else can give you rest for, and that's rest for your soul. You can sleep for 12 hours, but if your soul is weary and heavy laden, you're still dead, tired. You will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now here's, here's what we need to understand. When we come to Jesus and he says that you take my yoke upon you and learn from me, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, we think that once we give our heart to Jesus, everything is fine. That we will no longer experience life and difficulties. But We will. Some of us we know Jesus and we say life is tough. And I thought coming to Jesus meant everything was going to be simple, that there would be no more burdens, no more, no more difficulties, and everything would be great, that God would solve all of my problems. That's actually not what he says. He actually tells us that we still have a yoke. A yoke would, would be a wooden connection between two oxen that they would use to plow the fields because they were stronger that way so they would link them up together what Jesus is saying is you still have a yoke but it's but it's now connected to me no longer to the world it's connected to me so you still have a yoke and you still have a burden but it's not the world's burden and it's not your burden he said it's my burden but my burden is light it's light that seems like, okay, then everything should be fine. Have you ever carried something light for a long time? Yeah. Like your phone? Like, I, I remember, remember the old phones. You may still have one. But maybe in our offices at work, the old phones would have like a, a headset, right? And then they had this, this connection that would be put on your shoulder. So you could just put the phone on your shoulder and then you just turn your head a little bit. Have you tried doing that with this phone? Try holding it like you got some of us can't even do that we get to the stiff neck because our phones are so thin We just put it on speaker and then we just talk to it. Why because it's it's hard to do that Or if you hold your phone if you notice if you're on the phone for a while you'll, you're gonna switch hands Or you're just gonna put it on speaker and then leave it on the ground. Why because even something as light as this eventually becomes heavy We just keep carrying it. What Jesus is saying is, there's still a burden. But you keep coming to me. Because we sometimes, even with Jesus, we pick up burdens that don't even belong to us. And he says, no, no, no. You cast your cares on me, for I care for you. Don't forget to yoke with me. Link up. Connect with me. I'll walk with you through life. And my burdens are light. I think as believers, we just forget how heavy it was before we met Jesus, and how difficult it was when we yoked up with the world. We just forgot. But it is much better walking with Jesus than walking without Him. Much better. He's the one we can come to. I remember growing up watching uh, watching wrestling. Some of you are wrestling fanatics. I know this. I know this. Just by the way you walk, you walk in here like, yeah, like you have your own music coming in and like fireworks are going off, and you stand on like, you walk into places like that, like you just have that, 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 that inside of you. But I used to watch wrestling, and then I used to love watching tag team, those are the best, because when one guy is down and out, you still have like another guy that you can tag, and they make it so good like the guy is down and out he's on the ground and and the commentators he can't do it anymore he doesn't have no more strength left the guy's on the ground i can't do it anymore i have no more strength left and he's crawling and he's crawling and the other two guys are kind of out too because they all clashed together and they did their move their special move boom everybody explodes and they're all on the ground and the crowd is cheering with their flags and all of their signs and their faces painted and their chest is pulling out their chest hairs and all and then they're on the ground crawling 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 and what is the teammate doing on the side He's reaching out his hand. Like, his hand is out. And we're all crying. He's like, come on, touch his hand. You just gotta touch it. And they get closer, they're getting closer. And say, like, he's gonna do it. He's gonna reach it. And he's just about to tag. And one of the guys drags his legs out. He's like, no, come on. And we're right in front of our TV. Come on, you can do this. Or you're there live because some of you went live and you're watching this. And they get so close and, and the crowd is cheering. He's like, touch his hand. Just, you can do it. And the guy is sweating, he's bleeding, he's tired. He can't even touch his hand. And then all of a sudden, he touches his hand. Boom. And everything just goes crazy. And then the guy jumps in and he beats up the other two guys, body slams him, takes him over and then there's a one, two, three and it's over. And it's like, yeah. And then the other guy who was tired and weary jumps in and he's like celebrating. He's like, well, I thought he had a broken leg. What happened? It's like all of a sudden he's like, he's good. And the crowd is going wild. Ah. Big, huge man. Is, oh, I knew he could do it. I knew he could do it. And they're at home with their championship belt. Yeah. Yeah going through the motions and all watching TV it's we're, we're so involved in it they make it they make it so good and it's real <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's so good and i thought wait wait Dad, isn't that exactly what happens to us when we're down and out and we're like we're on the ground crawling we can't do life and we're stuck and we don't know what else to do. It's like the enemy continues to grab us and drag us. And Jesus says, come to me. Tag me. And he's like, Jesus, I can't, I don't want to go to church today. I can't get there. I don't know. Just get there. You're going to feel better afterwards. We always say that to ourselves. I want, I want to get into your word. I want, to, I want to pray, but I don't know if I'm good enough. And it's, it's like we're just there. And Jesus says, I'm good enough. And he tags, and then he comes into our life, and everything changes. It's like he takes out the enemy, and we're on the outside watching, looking in, and Jesus just, he just does what he does best. And he does that every single day. We're still on the outside. We're still tired. We're, we're still sweating. I'm sweating right now, and it's still, we still are bleeding. We're still going through hardships and pain. But he says, let me do life with you. I want to do this with you. Every single day. I'm willing. And I will. And I'll show you. He'll do this every single day. Let's not chase after feelings. Let's not chase after the things that that we think, oh, I I just need, if I can just experience the things of God. It's it's more than experience. It is actually him. Because there are false Fires or false feelings, even our feelings should never guide us. Feelings can catch up, but it's the Holy Spirit that guides us. I would say today, let's come to him. Let him open up our hearts as we opened up the scripture. Let him walk with us. Spend time with him. That's why next week, as we kick off our new series next year, we're calling it All Things New, and the first message of the year, next week, Sunday, is let's start with God. Because that's the best beginning. We're going to pray together. If you'd close your Bibles and put away your notes. You know, this being Aloha Sunday, it's, it's our Mission Sunday also. And we're going to pray for the special offering that, we, that many of you give towards missions. And if that's you, then we're going to give you an opportunity to give. And for those who you, you just don't feel like that's what the Lord put on your heart, don't worry about it. Anytime you come here, don't ever feel pressured to give. Always listen to the heartbeat of God in what he's asking of you and obey him. We should never leave the presence of God feeling guilty. We should always leave his presence feeling refreshed and uplifted and encouraged. And he'll always speak to us and he's always good to us. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Lord God, we thank you for being our father in heaven, the source of hope that it is Christ every single day because it's a relationship. It's not a religion that we're in. That we, you, You're willing to walk with us through our entire life and you'll be there with us. So thank you for the hope that you give to us. Fill us afresh today with your spirits. May our hearts burn for you, God. May our hearts burn for you. We do thank you for the opportunity to give towards missions And we pray that as we do so, that you'd bless the giving so that as we use it to further the gospel, that more people will come to know you as Lord and Savior around the world and even in our own communities. May we never tire of the gospel. Lord, may we never tire of your good news because the moment we as believers tire of the gospel, that's the moment the world stays tired because there's no more hope for those who do not know you. Hope is found in you. So help us to be the people that walk with you every day. So that when people see us, they see you. And when they see you, they find hope. So thank you for all that you are, for being our God, the one that gives us hope, the source of hope. We're so grateful. We pray this in your precious, holy, and matchless name. And we all said together, amen.